0: It's time for a change. Strap your headphones on and join Chris, Scott, and Sean. Three active duty police officers in the Chicago suburbs.
1: As they face the tough subjects, including police brutality, racial tension, rioting, and more. Weekly, you'll get tips and tricks on how to keep you and your family safe what to do during traffic stops, how to handle domestic violence, and more. This is a show about opening a dialogue, accepting that something has to be done, and bringing communities together again.
0: And now your hosts, Chris, Scott, and Sean. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of 3 Cops Talk. This is your host, Sean. Today I'm here with uh, Rich Uncle Chris. And Scooter, based upon the way we're, uh, Big Sergeant Scott, the way we're recording these shows, Scooter's still kind of nursing that, uh, that wound of his, um, intense paper cuts with his work. I mean, it's like off the yeah, charts. Right. I mean, it's very dangerous. Bloodborne and things like bunions. that. He refuses, he refuses to wear that finger condom thing that we, we've sent him. <laughs> I got him for Christmas and labeled, you yeah. know, uh, like those pimple popping videos. You see something written on the end of it. Like, you're like, what, why <laughs> am I getting to some affecting
2: it stuff? I don't
0: know. But, but school. anyway, uh, you know, Chris, one of the things start show talking about like, Hey, if I could go back and do it all over again in law enforcement, what would I do? What would I do differently? What would I, you know, kind of maybe reroute, think, do whatever? And I'm talking, like, career-wise, developmental-wise. Uh, right now here at school, I, you know, have expanded an internship program, and a lot of the cadets they are here looking to go into law enforcement, they have interest in federal work, and I'm like – You know, I would tell you this, if I ever did it again, there are certain branches of the feds that I'd look at, and there's certain ones that I'd probably avoid at all costs at this point, but back in the day, you know, I didn't do that, and I actually started processing with the feds, because I was of the impression that, you know, this or that, and a lot of guys would tell you, hey, start out the local level, because that's where you really learn, so I would probably have just vested most of my time in the beginning of this of, at least for me, I'd be looking at going into local law enforcement, and then developing, you know, some you know some acumen in that and and then maybe moving on from there if that's the case to me i think that's probably one of the better ways of doing it um our guest today will be able to talk to us a little bit about that but chris if you could do anything over again and you can't say i wouldn't be a cop because that that's like opting out you got to give us a real answer as to what you would do differently if you could start it all over again in l.a
2: I mean, if I was in if I was in law enforcement, I'd probably most likely do either Secret Service or the DEA because I uh, I I was on the uh, going through the whole DEA process and now working with the drug dog and stuff. I mean, that just that that just seems like a blast. I mean, we were you know they kick in doors and they're like, yeah, okay, call this number. It's one eight hundred. You know, good luck with that type of thing. So and they just have a lot. I think they just had a lot more fun and Secret Service. I lived near some Secret Service agents and stuff and. You know, their work is, you know, as cool as it seems, it's very like during election year and stuff like that. I mean, they're just all constantly gone. But I mean, when you talk about what they can talk about, it's actually it's actually pretty cool work. So I would probably do one of those two if I were to go federal.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, the feds, I mean, my experience with the feds is, you know, my experience, just mine, I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody else in the world in law enforcement. And it's just like regular law enforcement. It's like there's pricks and there's pros, you know what I mean? And that's all there is to it. And sure. some of the guys that I felt were more professional is kind of commensurate with the guests that we've got today. And our guest is uh retired special agent, Kurt Lewis um, of the Secret Service. He is 24 plus years um, doing the work. He started out in local law enforcement, like a lot of secret service guys that I knew of and did cases with did, um, which made him kind of relatable and easier to get along with in a sense, like there's always barriers. And I'm not saying people are doing this on purpose, but the secret service guys just seemed a little bit better to understand, like what it's like to be local because a lot of them came from it. And our guest can probably speak to that a little bit more, but he was a Charleston County, Charleston County in South Carolina. Uh, sheriff's deputy for 6.5 years prior to that 6.5 that's six and a half to some people so you know that's six years and six months to our listeners
2: for all your core math young ones it's six and a half
0: and he was also in the marine corps reserve for 6.5 years and that's what his dd214 says as well um he's a citadel grad and that's how i know him he and i uh you know, wore kilts together and played drums together for a long time. And he was a guy that I was always tracking and watching and he was never there at reunions. And I was always like, Hey, where the hell is Kurt at? You know what I mean? And then people would say, Oh, this is what he's doing. I'm like, damn, that makes sense. Turkey's way cooler than the low country, which he's probably (laughs) seen the ugliest sides of at this point. Um, uh, Kurt is a great dude. Really knowledgeable guy very realistic about these things and i was like hey man we gotta get you on the show so you can talk to us so kurt can't thank you enough for coming on board and and helping some of our folks out here understanding uh some of the things between the feds and local and your experience is pretty pretty great in that so thanks again for coming on
1: thanks kurt appreciate it thanks for having me guys it's uh I've been looking forward yeah, to it.
0: appreciate it. So, okay, hey, that was a great show because that's all Kirk could say. Yeah, right. 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 He's, he's, right. Not, he's not allowed to tell us anymore, and that's why it's great to be a Secret Service agent. <laughs> um, but why don't you tell us, tell us a little bit, like, some things that, I listened to you on another show, uh, a TOTS podcast, so I'll throw out to him and his shows. Check that out. Kirk did that on there. And it was kind of educational in the sense of, like, I learned some things about the Secret Service that I was not aware of myself. And uh, it was good for maybe our listeners to hear some of the same things, because this is a show that's merely geared more towards civilians, understanding our work and doing what's going on, and then cops that maybe listen and want to get a different perspective. So if you could tell us a little bit about maybe your background, why you went into it, and then the background of the Secret Service and why it is what it is and what it does that maybe people don't understand other than diving in front of a bullet for somebody.
1: Yeah, um, first of all, I gotta get a big shout out to Ben Gardner. I'm ca- I'm uh, calling you guys today from the tots, uh, podcast nice. studios. Um, so if you guys nice. get a chance, check that out. Um, he's been a, a big friend and, uh uh, huge help to me. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I was, um, it all started, uh, back in college, Sean, and, and, uh, we were, uh, you know, coming up at the end of our time and, um, just trying to figure out what I was going to do with my, uh, with my life. I didn't have, uh, I figured the military wasn't uh, wasn't that it wasn't for me. I'd done the Marine mm-hmm. Corps Reserves for a while, and it just wasn't going to work out. And uh, so I had uh, Colonel White. I don't know if you remember Colonel White, a uh, history professor, pulled me aside. He's also a former Marine, um, uh, and pulled me aside and said, "What uh, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do?" And I said, "I <laughs> have no idea." And so he said, uh, "What do you think about uh, federal law enforcement?" And back then, or like most people, all I could think about was you know, the FBI. And I said, well, I'm not going to get in the FBI with a history degree and my grades. And, you know, there's just, there's no way. And, uh, so he hooked me up with another guy that was, uh, another Citadel grad who was also another Marine. And he happened to be the undersheriff at the, uh, the sheriff's office at the time, mm-hmm. the Charleston County Sheriff's office. And I met with him and they set me on the path and said, Hey, there's other ways to get into federal law enforcement. There's other federal law enforcement agencies out there besides the FBI. And, uh, so I, Joined the uh, Charleston County Police Department back then. It was in 1990, and uh, soon after that, they uh, merged with the Sheriff's Department and became mm-hmm. the Sheriff's Office. So I started out with County Police, and uh, then became with the um, a deputy with the Sheriff's they- Office. Your experience there is time. pretty
0: pretty extensive, from what I remember. And it's uh, so you did drug work, SWAT. I mean, you were. It's not like hey, you were just biding your time. Yep. You were learning a lot of things in the process. And that's a, anybody that's listening to this that's thinking about going into that service. That only makes you even more marketable for a lot of things down the road. If you're just like hey, I'm just going to do my time and say hey, I did six years of. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with just pushing a squad, but if you don't get a dog, you don't do something that's a little bit different. You know, it, they're competitive jobs to get, and especially the further you want to go with it.
1: Right. And they they had told me that uh, to, to, to be competitive for the feds, you needed to have, you know, two years of investigative mm-hmm. experience. Right. So I did two years on the road. And then two years after that, I went straight into uh, uh, narcotics work, uh, major case work. And uh, I was detective uh, with the sheriff's office for them. And during that time, I worked a couple of cases with the, uh, mm-hmm. with the local secret service. And I met two guys down there. Mm-hmm. It was just a small office back then. And they were just yeah. fantastic guys. One happened to be on the counter team. Uh, and they just talked to me about traveling the world. And that's what I wanted to do. And I said, this is it. And I didn't want to apply with anybody else like you, Chris. I was thinking about maybe going to the DEA. I was doing drug work and, uh, and I was kind of turned off to that after a while. You just, it, right. it's a grind. Those guys that do that for a career, that yeah. is a grind doing that, um, and I just, thats not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel the world and see everything, and I have. That's awesome.
0: So w- the process of getting in with the secret service, like the FBI was like, they, they had tracks. They were like, yeah, well, they want you to come in through law school, or they want you to come in as an accountant, or they want you to come in with prior military experience and law enforcement experience. I remember when I was testing, I got to phase two of it. There was a female cop from Chicago, and she's like, what's your track? And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm from the military. I was an officer in the Army, things like that. I did business for a little while. But I was like, now that I look back at it, I think any of the things that I did in the Army would have not prepared me to be a special agent, I don't think. Uh, but, you know, it's the way it works. Now, is the Secret Service the same way? Do they look uh, at it the same way? Is that General Federal Service, or is it just what? what's unique to your experience?
1: No, absolutely. Uh, they're – quite the opposite, actually. Um, What they want is, number one, you have to have a college degree to be competitive. And two, they want real Mm -hmm. work experience. Um, Some people have been hired right out of college. Um, They tried that for a while um, through a young agent program that just didn't Mm -hmm. work out that well. Um, But they want you to have experience. And whether that is uh, being, um, you know, former law enforcement, former military, it doesn't matter. Um, two of my, uh, really close friends that were both in the counter assault team. One's in charge of the special, uh, one's a special agent in charge of the vice president's detail. He was a high school mm-hmm. teacher and a coach. And, uh, same thing with my other, uh, other buddy, Stu, he's on the, he's a deputy special agent in charge on the president's mm-hmm. detail right now. And, uh, he was a high school yeah. teacher and a coach. So we take all kinds. They just want you to have that real world, real world experience. So. Is there more of a,
2: when, when you're taking somebody that doesn't have back, a law enforcement background, is there a different type of, I guess, what, panel interview or whatever? No. No, nope. it's all the same.
0: And there's no personality the profile that they look it's at the for somebody to do that work? I mean, because going to be honest with you, at in its purest level, it definitely is like you're clearly like giving yourself up for other people but these people that you're giving up up yourself for is like they're highly notarized i mean they're they're known well-known like civilians we all go out and like hey i I don't like you i love you i'll die for you kind of a thing is what we used to say for people uh you know that we served but the people you serve are in the game of like shaping politics and things like that so is there a profile that they look for in people in that like selflessness how does that show
1: so they so they don't do yeah they don't do a um a psych- psychological profile, but what they do is a very extensive background mm-hmm. investigation and the secret service does their own background right. investigations. They don't farm it out to anybody else. So as an agent right out of, right out of school, I was doing that as well. I was going out and doing background mm-hmm. investigations for some uh, applicants. And the other thing is you have to take a full scope polygraph. So there's different levels of polygraphs, right? And you, if you have different clearances and whatever, so you can get a national security polygraph. You can get—I had to take a polygraph to get on the uh, the police department. And basically, have you ever smoked dope? No. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen, stolen anything? No. But this is a full scope lifestyle mm-hmm. polygraph. It—I uh, mean, mine was about five hours. It was yeah. the worst day of my yeah. life. I, Dude, I did. It. It I
2: did 20, the one for the DEA six years ago. It was oh, six hours. Months six yep. hours and that was yep. brutal like they'll ask you i mean i'll tell them mine because i'm not but they're like um are you here on your own volition i'm like what does that word even mean what are you <laughs> talking about right. they're like you know get out you're,
1: you're, your uncle's not pablo Escobar. well all those guys right. all those guys now for the feds they all go to the DODPI, pie which is department of defense mm-hmm. polygraph institute and that is right up your way um sean at uh mm-hmm. Fort jackson mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah South we had a
0: guest on, on that That worked with them. So they, they have really. (laughs) Right. And, and she (laughs) talked.
1: they're not like the guy that I had when I joined yeah, right, the, uh, right. the police department in yeah, some right. hotel room, and,
0: like and you look at the guy, you're like, "Hey, like, you realize real? there's a thing called underarm deodorant? You know that, right? They've invented that for us. You know, why are you smoking while I'm taking this test? Is this supposed to aggravate me? You know, the, honestly, those guys, uh, they're good dudes. A lot of them are former cops, to be honest with you. Um, the certification for that is no BS. But if you're talking like a six-hour deal, like. How many people do they weed out through that process, Kurt? Do you have any idea? Like, I mean, like a lot.
1: I don't know the. Percentage. So it's known amongst know the agents that. then. And I've heard some horror stories. You get people that'll come in and they will. Um, I mean, they'll confess to. Right. Oh, everything, right. all this stuff. And then something, you're a law enforcement right. officer. So you, you got to turn them over to locals or whoever. The, the objective is when you're giving
0: the polygraph is to not actually catch any cases that you have to follow up on. You know what I mean? Like, oh, damn, well, funny you can't have sex with animals. I got to follow up on this. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah. So my neighbor. A lot of guys in the military. Yeah, get. Bounced I, had a na- I had a neighbor behind me. I think he's a special agent in charge now somewhere in Washington, but he was here for you know quite some time before he went to St. Louis and we got to be friends and our wives got to be friends and that he was a, he was a, what do you call polygrapher, polygrapher, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he would be gone like for, you know, eight, nine hours. And he'd be interviewing, you know, murderers and stuff like that and doing what he needs to do. And, but that he said that was the worst part of his job is that when he had to do some pre-interview screenings and like some, you know, copper now confesses to being involved in, you know, car auto parts being stolen. So he can make a little extra side money, he's like, I'm stuck. He's yeah, like, right, right. he goes, I got, he, he goes, that is the worst part, but you got to do what you got to do. And he goes, he goes, yeah, they would be in there for seven, eight hours. And you know, I'm like, who killed off yeah. Cause I
0: can't tell. Right. right. Well, let me, but I imagine that's part of the reality check of what you're about to get into. I mean, you can't, I mean, like, you, the idea of polygraphs is that it kind of gives you something to work with about screening people out. It, it's inadmissible in court in the sense. It's like circumstantial evidence more than anything else. But we use it in law enforcement as a huge discriminator. That is one of the things that I think that and the psych, because people psych themselves up. Like you think the poly- polygrapher can see into your soul. Like he's going to know. I stole a Star Wars action figure when I was eight. Yes. I was it's, like, what? I had you no know, uh,
1: Two issues that I had with, uh, with the polygraph, or at least they told me that. I don't know how much was BS and how much was just uh, uh, truth, but they said you're having problems with the um, stealing and serious, major crimes and um, uh, and selling drugs. And I'm like, um, I buy and sell drugs for a living. I'm undercover. Right, right right, right. Exactly, do, right, right. Exactly. Right. In my right. mind, yes, right. But I've yeah, right, done it right. on my right. own i'm not
0: and then and now the i didn't even think about that dude that's crazy like you're going in there and you're wait, actually wait. yes i have and they're like what and you're like yeah because this is what i did you know
2: well that's but now that's why i think a lot of times i don't know if they still do it but um the polygraph i just took for the county i'm going to they went over some of the questions and they're like hey just so you know or you know um, and, if, and if you miss one or whatever, we'll have to probably go back mm-hmm. because it's even, it's even then like, you know, you're sitting at the test. Like, do you ever sell drugs? Yes. What? what, what? Yeah, then right. the machine starts smoking and right, the needles
1: right,
0: are going right. crazy.
1: Right. But guys like us have that, right? right? We have a conscience, and we start thinking about things, and we're like, well, "What if they mean right? this? Mm-hmm. What if they mean that?" And it's—I
0: it's, had to put like 20 know. tacks in my shoes because I have no conscience at all. So <laughs> I just was like, "I have to, I have to trigger this thing." All I and mean, thats a tactic they say to use. That doesn't work, by the way. Um, I—it's not that I know that.
1: Well, the long and short of it is we, we, we they they do such an extensive background, and that polygraph is part of it, and they're looking to weed out the people mm-hmm. that just, you know. Um, mm-hmm. just aren't going to fit mm-hmm. them all.
0: Now, now after the polygraph, you obviously, you know, it's government, so it takes forever, it seems like. I remember the feds, it took forever to hear from the. Yeah, yeah it's like and crazy. And I don't know whether that's bureaucracy or whether it's part of it. It's like the mystique of becoming a fed. Like local agencies now, because they're so hurting for cops, will move rather quickly through that. So, you know, if you're interested in doing this and you want to be a Secret Service agent right now, even at this time, what could you expect the weight to be to get to wherever your basic course is at? I
1: think it's almost, uh, it, it's almost, they've streamed it down to okay, maybe yeah. a year it's or so. Okay, yeah. still pretty good,
0: good amount of time. It's, it's there. Especially yes. as a young man when you're, they've, uh, they have yeah, really So, you, all right, so you make it all the way to the basic course as an agent or a, you know, a, a recruit agent, whatever they call them. Where do you go? Where does the Secret Service send their guys to their basic course?
1: So I started out two weeks up in uh, in Beltsville, Maryland, and then they shipped us down to um, the federal law firm Is that
0: countries. in Georgia? The one do you want in uh, Georgia? Yeah, right, right, Blanco, right, right. God's Georgia, country down yeah. there. Um, yep. And like from uh, I understand, you guys like at police coding the Clint Eastwood movie uh, that you guys got to go through these like wooden like mock up scenarios and shoot the wrong people and you get kicked out. Is that is that not true? Is that total BS? That doesn't happen down there.
1: That's police academy. That's not police. No, so that's I, don't, police. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. But we just did three months down there, and then we went back up to uh, Maryland, Beltsville, Maryland, which is – I'm actually from – Oh, Maryland, there you three, go. – coming home. And, uh, and then we did the Secret Service-specific stuff, and that's where we learned things like counterfeiting, right? Because that's – most people don't know this, but the, the Secret Service was formed um, 18, April 14th, 1865, the, the day that Lincoln got shot. Um, he signed uh, – um an act that uh, created the secret service but it was created to not for protection but it was created to uh combat uh really money. so
0: he signs huh. into law the day he gets shot
1: The right. day that's he crazy shot. and then it wasn't until 1902 1901 mckinley got shot in 1902 we picked up uh actual protection right. of the president so we've had a dual uh, mission ever okay so
0: before. that's how i got to know agents i got a girl bouncing, you know, boosting a hundred dollars at a gas station. And she flipped she was willing to work. And I'm like, okay, who handles this? And they're like, I was new. They're like, yeah, the Secret Service. They're go, Secret Service, and they're like, yeah, they handle all the for you know counterfeiting cases. I'm like, cool. I go, all right. So what's this involved? I spent a lot of time with them over like a two month period working with these guys developing this case. This guy was washing out bills, and go, it was really cool what they were telling me. Yeah, and that's where I got rough. to talk to these guys and know about it. And one of the guys that was, I guess, the sack of the O'Hare office was a bo- guy from Boston, and he was just such a down to earth dude, like, <laughs> like other fans that I work with never seem to like let their guard down, like in the presence of me. And, and this guy was just immediately making fun of me. So I knew it was like, oh, he's like a cop, you know what I mean? He's a real good dude. Um, and he talked about stories about nine eleven that were like, dude, you should write a book. And he's like, well, we really can't do that. You know what I mean? And that's where that comes in, that idea of secrecy and things like that. Um,
1: right. There are some people that write, uh, write books after they retire. And, um, I thought about writing a book, um, uh, but I hate to write. and uh, <laughs> so two, It's uh, what I would write about would never mention a uh, politician mm-hmm. or a protectee, as we call them, um, mm-hmm. in, in a bad light. It would it's mostly more of the you know, you can't make right. your shit up kind of stuff, because I think a lot of people wouldn't realize some of the stuff that Secret Service agents mm-hmm. have to do um, on a day to day basis just to travel right, right around the world. You know the air force flies us around, and some of those. Oh my God! Rides, yeah, uh, some of the things that have happened with the cars, <laughs> just some. You know, um, you the cops could write stories and all the stuff that they 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 do, but we would people would just be, I just amazed at some of the stuff that the. Secret yeah, Service that that, have. that is,
0: and and that's cool. I mean, obviously, it's like everybody's like, dude, tell me what you know about this person. Right? He told right. me a story. The guy, this this one guy, told me a story about September 11th, and they were providing protection to all the you know the secretary of this or secretary of that and he happened to be with condoleezza rice and he told a really cool story about like you know they were riding in an elevator together to get her back to her residence and she was like she just turned and looked at him it was like a, an incredibly human moment uh, like wow this was a day i never thought would happen and he was like yeah yeah. And that's all the exchange was like after all of the things that she had to do and deal with as a secretary of state and stuff like that, she was still just a human being that turned to him. and was like, right. wow, this is just and she's going home alone or whatever, you know, because to, to go back to her, whatever her predicament or situation was to only have to probably get woken up in two hours to go back to all of these things that have happened. And I was like, dude, you like literally witnessed a part of history that no one will ever know but those two right. people on the planet. And now many people listen to this. So, uh, but I was like, wow, dude, that is awesome. And they say, okay, it's not as cool as you think. Cause then he pointed to this dry erase calendar up on the wall and goes, you see all those countries. That's where we're all going all the time. And I was like, dude are you right. kidding me <laughs> how do you guys stay married you know what i mean and he's like oh yeah it's rough it is like that so speak to that a little bit if you could chris like what's the life like once you get on there like is it right to traveling all over the place and jumping out with the glasses on and talking into your cuff and all that other crap like people think or what what's it like
1: Sometimes, but it really depends. When you first get out of uh, training, you go to a field office somewhere and you're going to be there for several years. It, it changes all the time, but maybe five or six years. And what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to be in a field office like Chicago or, um, you know, Charleston, South Carolina. I started out hmm. in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, you do that for a couple of years and you do both. You do investigations. Um, you do anytime, uh, one of our protectees comes into your district and you would do the advance work and, uh, some other stuff, you know, post standing, as we call it. Um, and then you're also on a rotation where uh, the president or vice president is traveling around the world and they'll ship you to wherever to go oh, really? somewhere. Um, and you do that for a couple of years and you learn all the investigative stuff that the really? uh, Secret Service does. Counterfeiting and bank fraud, right. all that kind of stuff. Um, they're really into the mobile wireless tracking stuff right now, which is good. And some of the stuff they're doing is the um, some of the fraud that's out there with uh, uh, all. The oh, really?
0: Community. OK, so, wow. Uh, oh,
1: okay. but then you do that for hmm. you know several years and then you uh then you go do protection you do permanent protection and you can do one of the uh large um details the vice president's detail the, the president's detail and you do that for six years or you go to the counter assault team or the uh, our, our hammer team which is the hazardous agent uh emergency mitigations uh, emergency response something like that. I'm not, that's I'm all right man sorry but it's all basically right. our um it's it's basically our um oh yeah stuff. okay yeah right um so you do that wmd specialized basically. unit and so yeah you, okay right yeah and you do that for um mm-hmm, you know, chemicals mm-hmm. and all that stuff so you do um uh, you can do that for three years and then go to one of the other details for three years or you can just do it so
0: six, if i understand this correctly so. you're either investigating or you're protecting i mean that's kind of it like that's the two like tracks and there. like much, the two yeah. like patrol investigations it's protection investigations there
1: but everybody starts out in an in, in investigative okay. field office, and you do you do both there. You, so you start out in investigative mm-hmm. field office, you do that for several years, and then you do permanent protection work all you No, do, do you protection. not? Then after that, it's like it's like any other department, right? You can go do mm-hmm. anything specialized, like if you wanted to do canine, or you wanted to go do you know whatever. Um, we've you can go back to the field and just find a home and, and stay there the rest of, so your, your, rest it, of your time. So is it,
0: can you like say, I'm not going to do protection? I don't want to do protection. I just want to stay in investigations. If you got an acumen for that, or they're like, no, everybody's got to do time doing that. Sure.
2: You can say whatever you want. <laughs> right. Yeah. When do we do oil so change? Right.
1: Right. Right. And you know, it depends. Like when I, when I first went to, uh, I did five years in Columbia and then I, um, went to the president's detail. And on the president's detail, you have to do uh, certain what we call satellite uh, assignments. You can do the first mm-hmm. lady's detail. You can do the transport section, transportation section, which is where you are driving the uh, presidential limos, um, or you could do the, um, uh, the counter assault team, which is what I did. And um, and then I after that, you do that for a while, then you go back to uh, the president's detail and you finish up your time. So I'll tell
2: you what, I have a friend of mine that uh, his brother was on the, or is on the counter assault team. That is some. That is – he was talking about some training. That's – What's his name? Because I probably – I don't, don't want to say it on air
1: because I think he's Yeah, I'll go offline. We'll talk we'll, we'll talk he's later. like, protect yeah. me. Because that was, that was my last assignment was the uh, assistant special agent in charge. He was the, like um, – uh, like he was going through
2: some training and stuff. And like that's
1: just – that's – that. you you think training's hard?
2: That's – the way I was like, man, I couldn't have somebody all me.
1: The stuff they cram into the yeah. several weeks that uh, – that we have to go through it it's for real the instructors that we have out there are top-notch former um military and law enforcement special Mm -hmm. operators um it's just it it is some and not everybody can do it we have a very high attrition rate right now it's
0: really wow (laughs) percent like you go to most law enforcement basic law enforcement classes and i've been training for the last 10 years of my career and it's just like oh the pass rate is like ninety nine percent, and the only reason one person didn't is because they're like, "Hey, my mom got sick, I got to cut out of the class," and they just couldn't give you the hours. You know what I mean? Like that guy. I mean, I'm sorry, that's the way that it was, and you know that wasn't all classes, but the vast majority of them, people made it through. And any is you send people to train to get them through it because it's an investment, things like that. But to have a fifty percent dropout rate, like academies don't even have that. You know what I mean? Dude, so he,
2: dude, I mean, like they they would kick you out if you if you if you had your safety off, like just like it was like like. He was telling me like these instructors are like top notch, and you got to do shit right. Which of course you do. I mean, there it's it's a little bit higher of a playing field, but it was. He goes, it was intense. He goes, it was really, really intense.
0: Well, I mean, it doesn't help if you're you know you're trying to protect an asset and you dump him yourself. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> hold on. I mean, that's, uh, hold on Let's a second. A you gotta we'll follow the rules quotes. here. Like oh, this is my safety, yeah, sir. A little you know, that uh, crap.
1: It was a little tougher than my yeah, uh, my school <laughs> right,
0: that I went to right, down in Charleston. Right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, but that was yeah, right. that was early two so thousands, but uh, you know, it was it was fun.
1: But we do, I do have to say though, we we have uh, for the first time ever, we have a female really? on the counter team, and
0: that was unheard of. Huh? Yep.
1: And Sean, you'll appreciate this. Uh, she graduated from the yeah, she did. Years after
0: everybody this. complains about integration yeah, with females, look at this.
1: <clears throat> yeah. So, but she she pretty much she doesn't right. want any fanfare, um, and I'm hey, not gonna you know. I'm not gonna hey, she
0: learned right a lesson here as well about that. Don't is, celebrate it; just do it. You know what I mean? Is, and, and and and
1: that's it. She just wanted to be on the team. And there you and go. She did it, and uh, and we're not celebrating the fact that she's a female. And the, man, a beast, I tell you what, she's, sure she's right. a stud. If you can, right. yeah, she's a beast. And
0: yep. now, what I liked when you described it to me, just in casual conversations, that you know when you actually showed up for, I think I, we thought. Kurt like was on the international space station. That turned out to be Randy Bresnik from our group, but Kurt was there probably I think less than Randy was at reunions. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, you know. And when he finally showed up, we got to like wear him out about all the things that he was doing. I remember he was talking to me about the counter assault team. And It was like as a law enforcement officer with the use of force, it's like wow, you actually guys can now drive off the objective and and take somebody on. It's not just about, obviously the priority, if I understand this correctly, right. Kurt, is protecting the asset, but you also get to fight back. It's not just about, hey, protecting, removing yourself, like, hey, this is a national security risk on a level that, you know, the unease, I remember my father said when Kennedy got shot and then Bobby Kennedy got shot, he was just like what is going on and then martin luther king got shot all of these things were happening in, in a short span of time and this like idea of asset protection and in this day and age if those things started to happen I, you know what would happen to our cities like you can't really thank these agents enough for what they do but i guess my question is like you are you allowed to fight off the objective like go and like deal with these people that are trying to harm the president or a uh, protected asset
1: so absolutely. So uh, and we're just talking about the counter assault team. Right. But that that that's uh, you know, if you're you know, think about it. The president's uh, on a uh, on a rope line mm-hmm. right? and he's shaking hands and he's just moving down. You've all seen this. Right. There's a big, huge crowd. He's after a speech, he walks up and he starts shaking hands and there's agents right next to them. Right. Well, you know, if somebody pulls out a gun or whatever, you know, a knife. Um, you're going to you're going to cover mm-hmm. and evacuate, get him out of there. But other agents are going to mm-hmm. collapse mm-hmm. on him and take mm-hmm. him down if they need to. Um, but with the counter assault team, you think about it, just the counter assault team. Now we're talking, you are being, we're law enforcement officers, so you're responsible for every round, every round that you fire, you're responsible for, but we're going to put these cat guys and gal in a bad situation, right? Because they are now starting out in a place that's not of their choosing. At a time that's Mm -hmm. not of their choosing, and you're going to put them in the (laughs) middle of an ambush where the use of force has already elevated to deadly force. And these guys are going to go out with minimum weapons, a heck of a lot of training, and go out in the right mindset and not either divert Mm -hmm. the problem away from the protectee, suppress the problem where they can't continue on with the attack,
0: or annihilate the problem. Which is the thing that we all want movies about and things like that. Like, I remember as a kid, I was, here's my, here's, here's my commitment. Yeah, here's my commitment to excellence go. as a child. Um, I, I I faked sick right and it. stayed home the day Reagan got shot. And I remember watching that, like, you know, like watching it thinking, oh, this is our time now. You know, I mean, everybody's trying to, Squeaky Fromm was trying to take on Ford on a level that was like, wow, holy crap. Um, But like, that was just never seen serious. Well, you know, Reagan got shot. I mean, he, and I remember, and I remember seeing this guy that was an agent, like, like jump in the air. And I remember that distinctly as a kid. And then later on, I learned that I ended up being, and Kurt can kind of expand on this. He ended up being a chief of police in Orland Park, Illinois, um, but he was yeah. part of that detail. And that dude literally took a bullet. I mean, like the whole, like, this is like yep. out of a movie. Uh, it was, it was real life.
1: It's textbook what he did. He just turned towards and just made himself as wide and as big as he could get. Yeah, and it was. It was phenomenal. And he was a special agent in charge of the uh, Chicago. Was he office.
0: was he vested up on that at that time? Was ballistic armor part of what you guys had or no?
1: I don't mm-hmm. you know what I, I don't know. I, I want to say I wrong. think. It, but we yeah. learned so many, re- so many lessons from that mm-hmm. particular shooting uh, about the hospital, um, about the, um, you know, the press and, you know, having somebody with the press and mm-hmm. sweeping the mm-hmm. press and doing all, there's so many different things, having a covered uh-huh. arrival, all these things that we didn't mm-hmm. used to do right that right. we do now. And then, then and Al Haig, and you look at the, you look I, at the, the Hilton over there where he got shot and in the arrival is now, right uh, it's yeah. covered. You know they hmm. built a permanent structure. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like other
2: law enforcement. The unfortunate part, part about it is that sometimes you have to learn lessons from tragedies, and you know, and, and when I watch that, I'm like, and to be a to be a Secret Service agent, you look at that because I have my own security company and we do protection, not on that level, but when you're when when you think about it and you watched it and you and and you just got to be like, as an agent, because you know what your job is, and as law enforcement, we all want to do the right thing. It's like it's got to be hard not to be like holding the guy's hand, like right there, like like when you look at it, like five yards seems like a freaking mile, right? And then you know, and then you watch his stuff. You're like, all right, all I got to do is walk next to him. Nobody could see him or her. Nobody could touch him. Nobody. We're not doing this because you know you want to do the job so well that that you know when you watch stuff like that, you're like that is the only viable way to make sure that this never, ever happened. You can do whatever you want. That's just got to be a sinking feeling on a daily basis.
1: Well, it was usually, uh, we rely a lot on the advance. You know, we'll send people out a week, two weeks prior, and uh, make sure everything's secure. Talk with the the local police department. I mean, nothing that we can do with the Secret Service. We can't do it all on our, so our, on our own. So we're constantly relying on local law enforcement. That's where you guys you know, um, we'll come knock on your door and say, Hey, we need help with securing the motorcade route. We need help with, uh, you know, can you get a canine to come over and help mm-hmm. sweep this area? Um, you know, we, we just, there's no way you can do it on your own. So you have to rely on, you know, um, the local law enforcement, but I, I will tell you one, one quick story that, you, that, that just president Obama rolled me and I was, um, <laughs> um, I he's was, a local I boy was, for us. I was so. talking, <laughs> So it was just happened to be working at the, at, at the, at the White House. And, uh, I went upstairs and I was talking to one of the guys and I was a supervisor on the detail. And I was talking to one of the guys who happened to be a friend of mine that was sitting right outside the oval door. And, uh, the, uh, chief of staff, Dennis McDonough walked out and he's in his shirt sleeves and he looks at me and he goes, Hey Kurt. And cause I'd known him for some work and some other stuff before. And I said, Hey boss. And, uh, he said, uh, we're going to go out and get a cup of coffee. And he does that all the time, walks out and gets a cup of coffee and goes to, you know, wherever Starbucks across the street or Dunkin or whatever. But it's a small detail. And, you know, it's not that he's not well known. So there's the chief of staff. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, okay, but so why is he telling me this? Right. And right behind him comes President Obama and he's rolling up his shirt sleeves and he goes, "Okay, let's go. And he chief looks right at me and says, and we're leaving right now. And what? I was like, uh, <laughs> sir, and they just walked right by me. My buddy was in front. He just walked off in front, and I, walk, I trailed him, and I just got on the, on the radio, and I just started barking out commands. <laughs> we're doing this. We're walking here and just hoping to God that everybody's listening to me, which they were, and people just started scrambling. And I said, we're going to Dunkin' Donuts at 17th and K hey. or something like that. And he walks out of the West Wing right up West Exact, right by the press. The press had no idea. By that time, my <laughs> boss came down. One of my bosses came down. And then as soon as he started taking over, I could start doing some things. And, and he walked right out the front door, right out West Exec, onto Pennsylvania Avenue. And at that time, then I see the counter assault guys. They were in their truck. They had moved over. And I started to get some armor with us and, and, you know, trail us. And he gets out there and he gets in the middle of Pennsylvania Avenue and says, you know i think we're going to go to starbucks oh my God. Instead. and we had already sent how and all these people going down to you know this is just not happening this is just he totally right. rolled me and uh so he just they just did a left face and started walking uh to starbucks there at uh, pennsylvania in 17. and i mean he walked right up next to this lady and he just you know gave her a quick hug and she looked at him yeah and right just did a right. double take and <laughs> she goes, oh my God. and it was just hilarious but we had all these people that are around him and we had the Trek officers there, uh, you know, the uniform division guys come on their on their bikes. We had cars going everywhere, shutting down track. He just walks right across uh, 17th right. Street, right on Pennsylvania. And he goes into uh, into the Starbucks and he goes into the Starbucks. And I had somebody come over there and said, hey, there's two counter surveillance guys in there. And the counter surveillance is like our undercover guys that are looking, for mm-hmm. people that are looking at us. And I think, oh, thank God. And I walk in there with them and they were getting coffee and they were looking at us. like, what <laughs> just, I mean, they had no, they were working, but they didn't uh, have any idea what was going on. Hey, could you let us so know? By that time. <laughs> right. So he, you know, he, I ran outside because my other boss showed up at that point, And then we just started organizing everything, right? Mm-hmm. Shutting down the street, <laughs> roping places off, getting uh, handheld magnetometers, going through every, all this stuff. So he could come mm-hmm. out and start shaking hands and everything. And that's one of the things that I think the cigarette service does really well is they approach people and with a very calm, cool, <laughs> collected, very polite, ask people, Hey, we're going to do this. Can we, do you mind if we get, you know, do a metal detector test on you, all this stuff. And people are absolutely fine with it. If you are nice and explain to them what's going on, most people right. are like, yeah, right, sure. Exactly. I mean, that's even for us, and, you know, uh, he yeah. came out. Shook some hands, started walking back, and he turned to me and said, Where is everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think everybody is? We completely <laughs> shut the streets down, everything. And he walked back and walked right down West Exec, right into the Oval Office, and the press had no idea. People so don't know
0: worried. this, but was Chris was, or it. Chris, uh, Kurt was instrumental in forming Uber Eats. <laughs> so we're not doing that again. I'll develop this huge infrastructure to help support that not happening again. I could, I mean, seriously, I mean that is like Pucker Factor Seven because if something goes rogue, like, oh, and and again, this is where we can kind of lead into the next part of this. You were describing to me like the life around the White House is like constantly with you know, for lack of a better term, people that are really passionate about their you know their persuasion or whatever it is they're protesting the way. That's a yeah, right, and and you know, you know, we very would polite. Like yeah, right, on Exactly. Kooks, nuts. Like wow, this guy's 96 right? is what we'd say all the time. So there's another yep, like he's local law enforcement right. to, you know, secret service connection that you can have there. But uh, talk about like the uniform division versus like, you know, the agents and things like that. Are they all agents? Is it part of it? I mean, how does that work? Which is bigger?
1: No. So there's, there's two separate, um, I ah, didn't get me in the numbers. I'm not sure, but the uniform division are, um, Swarm police officers that are a part of the Secret Service, but it's a part of the uniform division. Mm-hmm. They wear uniforms. They provide the physical protection for the White House, the vice mm-hmm. president's residence. They also, the foreign mission branch um, provides protection for all the, the mm-hmm. most of the embassies in in D Strictly D.C., though. Um, they drive around in cruisers. Okay. Yeah, strictly D.C. They drive around in cruisers. They've got uh, motorcycles. They've got Trek bikes. Um, they also, they do the uh, counter snipers. So the guys you see mm-hmm. on the roof with the long guns. They're really? all technicians wow. with the uniform division, the um, the emergency response team, those guys that are the tactical team that's around the White House and the vice president's residence. Those guys are all uniform division technicians. Um, and they are also part of the special operations division, which is where I was with the, uh, okay. the, the counter assault team. Um, but uh, yeah, so they're they're the ones that are that you see in the uniform when you go to the, right. And those guys must
0: have like a killer, like, you know, 40 time. Like they got a sprint to catch somebody that gets through and like tackle the dude on the, on the, on the the lawn there. Like uh, where they do the Easter egg hunt, like thing. Like, I was like, I was thinking like, if you are a uniform guy, you probably have to be so fast and so patient at the same time that it's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. 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 But you know, and people don't realize that they, they, and they think that these guys, you know, They were the ones that were at the Capitol when that happened in January and things like that. It's like a totally different. That's the Capitol police. Right.
1: Yeah. So we we had just set up uh, after the um, uh, the riots um, in um, Mm -hmm. May and June Mm -hmm. of uh, 20. Um, That's when we right after that, we set up a um, civil disturbance unit. And those are the guys that we sent up to the capital. Really? So they were secret service? Yeah. As well as we sent the counter countersault team. We had guys. Uh, another Citadel grad was the team leader that day.
2: Look uh, at you guys. And here I am
1: just, you know, from, a, just from a high I saw Chicago. Oh, yeah. I, got hey, we might have started. I got nothing. I got nothing. There, there are a lot of Citadel yeah, grads. Yeah, was, in hey.
0: No BS, man. Like, Seriously. To recruit people that are willing to do that, and I know it's a shameless plug for my school, but this is the best place in America to recruit, recruit cops and people that want to do that work because you have to just be like able to like I don't know what it is here that makes you rise above any of that political stuff, but uh you see a lot of these guys like you know so many of the he mentions name like really he is too it's just I, I, there's a dynamic and, and part of it's probably Citadel guys no Citadel guys but I think the reality of it is is what we produce
2: man. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I ran across somebody with a Citadel ring on that was a uh, um, uniform division that was, you know, standing at post. And uh, I was like, hey, you, you went to the Citadel? He's like, yeah. And I said, when'd you graduate? And he said, and you're like, oh, my 17. God. I old, like, old, old core,
0: Old Corps, New Corps. You're like, uh, holy, old. young man. Yeah. How are
1: yeah. you? So, hey, saw so Right. With, right. with, with,
0: uh,
2: with the uniform division, counter assault team, all these people, <clears throat> I know a lot of people talk about this and stuff like that, but do you guys, how. Is it just more personality when you have, you know, political views and differences and stuff like that? Are you guys allowed to talk and, you know, voice your opinions among yeah, each talk. other? I
1: mean, if if Sean and I and, and we're sitting around having a bourbon, I would I I might, you know, tell them how I feel about certain things like the build back Better <laughs> plan and right. things like that. But uh, um, but for the most part, you know, we, we we just, you know, keep our mouth shut when it comes to. Um, and I think that's the, that's the thing is that there's, there's, you know, there's no, we like to say there's no secrets in the secret service other than we just keep our mouth shut, right? We don't talk about the protectees and you don't want to do that, right? Because if you get into talking about a protectee or if you, um, you know, they're not going to trust us. And if they can't trust us, then they're going to push us away and we can't do our jobs. So you, you keep your mouth shut. And, you know, that's why I hate seeing some of these people that leave, uh, the service and they go on talk show hosts and whatever right. and they'd start right talking about right. other politicians that they right. that they protected and I just you just
0: right just keep them eye- and well, again
2: hypocrisy a- and, 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 and they make a ton of money they make a ton of money at it you know and I mean it it's uh, I I think that's one of the things that you know and again when we do stuff and. It, it, it's on, it's on a much, much smaller scale. I mean, that's really where the trust comes in. I don't mean like you're taking some guy to go see his girlfriend before you take him to Christmas dinner with his wife and kids or whatever, you know, like just that, that's what they, they pay yep. for you to keep your mouth shut and make sure that they get from point A to point B and, you know, and it just, it's. It, it,
1: yeah. My, my dad was telling me, he was reading this book that came <laughs> out a couple of years ago and I can't remember the name of it cause I don't, right. I, don't I don't read them. And it was basically a, a tell all book And it was putting a lot of presidents and other politicians in bad light that, you know, people from the Secret Service had said this or said that or whatever. And my dad would kept asking me about it. I said, Dad, don't read that crap. Just Mm -hmm. just just don't read it because it's just not it's taken out of context and whatever. He goes, Well, what about this? And what about and I said, Dad, just and and here's the thing, and what I told him is that you know, you don't have one person, one Secret Service agent that's around somebody twenty four seven. Now, right. some more than others, right, especially as you get up higher in the, um, um, you know, supervision scale. But when somebody says that somebody was a drunk or, you know, I saw him, whatever, and then it goes out in the book that, oh, he was drunk um, or he is a drunk or whatever. I told my dad, I said, look, are you have you always been at your very best <laughs> right. every single right. day? no well a Matt imag- have you said things to your wife your kids or your friends that maybe you just snapped at them or you, you know you didn't mean it because you're angry or whatever no I, we've all said things that we we wish we could right. uh, take back but the fact of the matter is when when people go out there and say this they're getting a snippet mm-hmm. a snapshot into somebody's life and they're just they don't see them for who they really are and then you take that out of context and next thing you know. The guy is uh he's an a-hole. He, you know, right. he drinks too much. He's uh you know, whatever. And he, you just go down this big, long list and it's just, that's where it's hard to say. I mean, just keep your mouth shut, guys, and that's, I think, what, what we do. And, and we to do that, that point, well. when you listen
0: to that, how he's talking about that, you think to yourself, like, hey, in the news right now, the FBI is being portrayed in a certain light because of what happened in the last election, whether you believe it or not, and I'm not picking sides here, that's the point of that, but look what that does to undermine our standing as law enforcement officers, although they're agents and they work at a federal level, it's the same level of, like, distrust, mistrust of things that are going on. When we deal with that at the local level, we're like, that's not all us, that's not all us, and... and Kurt just illustrated a great point these guys are the guys that we should probably be they can remove themselves from the politics and they're seeing these people like you like they always say like this is what you see publicly you never get to see what you see privately well these guys have a little microcosm of that and if they lose that sense of integrity like the seals started coming out and everybody was writing a book every seal was writing a book and then if you talk to other people from the special operations community there's delta operators that trained us because i was in swat they were like yeah we don't come out write books because that's not what you do you 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 go about like this idea of like you're this impartial voice that it's not for me to question why it's just for me to do or die and we want that and we like that but then we're like why aren't secret service agents coming out and dealing the dish on the politician that i hate it's like because that's not what this is about and and if you want to know what's going to destroy america look at the politicians that are doing that to each other uh the better people i'd say are example are these guys that you know do this like hey i don't care who you are I'm going to take a bullet for you. You know, like we all say right, that right. and these guys actually live it.
1: Well, I remember when, when, uh, president Clinton was going through all that stuff with the, uh, Monica Lewinsky stuff and whatever. Um, and I had family members that come, how could you protect that right. guy that does this? And then, you know, I had president Bush I mean, we right. the war and everything. And people, how could you protect that guy? Look, I, I'm protecting the office. I'm not protecting the individual. I, I may disagree with whatever that he or she said, but I'm, I'm there mm-hmm. to make sure that they're safe. Mm-hmm. I mean it's a democracy, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Republic, right. Not, you know, we yep. w- right? So that we elect these people to go ahead and and right. uh, represent us. Well, I'm that's my job right. is to pr- protect them and make sure that that's the integrity
0: of the yeah, place, and, uh, and you uh, see that on local levels where, you know, bigger cities that are really railing against the police are now really struggling to get quality people to come do that work. Now, if every elected official that we deal with, whether you like politicians or not, is constantly in the threat of, hey, these guys aren't even going to protect me from the nuts that are out there. And this is at a level like social media, one person can tweet one thing and it's around the world in nanoseconds, and it's ginning simple-minded people up to go out and do horrific things. Cops are experiencing that every day. Like I hate the police because what happened with in Minneapolis with George Floyd. So cops in this town die for it because that person that's maybe not stable doesn't do it. And and you can't have that partisanship going on. And this is what we talk about in the show all time so it's great that you're bringing i wasn't even expecting this and this is great like great illustration of why i think you're on here now because it's like wow man that's true like he is seeing it at that like because we care more about the presidential election than we do about our school boards which one is really directly impacting us more probably the school board because that's where my kids spend most of their lives. But the president is where I align myself politically and it can lend itself to such division and everything else. And these guys have to stand there and go, doesn't matter to me. I'm going to do my job and stop this from happening. Um, And and that's great to hear that. that, that It's like, you would think like if you listen to like the media, like everyone would portray you guys in the federal service as partisan hacks that, you know, will sell somebody out because of what happened with like, let's just name the names, Comey and all those folks on Capitol Hill. And, you know, they. I can't remember 47 times when he's testifying to something. That hurts all of us. It hurts all right. of our credibility. And, you know, that's why you never see Secret Service agents on Capitol Hill testifying, because it's part of the mantra, and we should all live by that.
1: Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, it's uh, – um, I hate to sh- switch, switch gears on you, but this is the, – the service is – it's a fantastic play. It's a fantastic career. I mean, I just, I've had the good fortune of, of traveling all over the world. And, uh, I mean, I, I would, we're having that same problem that you are Sean and Chris that, you know, trying to get good people hmm. to come in, it's tough across the board really? in yeah. law enforcement now. Um, it, it's just, it's everywhere. Um, but, uh, if, if anybody's thinking about, you know, federal law enforcement, I would serious, seriously suggest you look at the secret service because it's, um, what a great career I've had. I mean, just start thinking about this, you know, in my, in my time, since I retired last month, um, I've, I've traveled to over 50 countries. Awesome. Um, I've got 49 States. I'm still missing North Dakota, but, um, it's, uh, hmm. it's great. I've literally traveled. Um, one of the last trips I went with president Obama, uh, I flew an air force one and every leg except for one. And we flew, east and kept going all the way and in seven days we went and wow. circled circle the globe
0: how many people can say they're doing that nobody um, like Mick awful. jagger or something what are you doing your honor right. you know what i mean? <laughs> Rock and roll. Well,
1: I think roll. Uh, i think our roommate is uh circle the globe yeah right yeah right right that. yeah, yeah. way well,
0: yeah, like uh, on a daily basis yeah, yeah. That, that randy bresnick ref- reference there so 89 uh band company we uh yeah. top this uh good luck with that um but you know uh, kirk <laughs> yeah. just one thing to talk about like you talked about like when you're doing the job and you're doing that line and you're doing what you're doing at the highest level, which has got to be the most nerve wracking when you're out there protecting the president or the asset in a crowd. What is it that you guys do? Is it, is there a science to it? Is it, or is it just that straight? I mean, what is it? I mean, I'd love to see like a, like a, a, you know, an EKG machine on you guys when you're going through the crowd with that. Like, are you peaking? Are you just like, Hey, this becomes commonplace and I'm just looking for certain indicators. What is it? You know, or, or maybe you can't even tell me.
1: Well, let's, I mean, it's like I said before, we rely on the advance, right? We're going to, we're going to have, we're going to take every place, every place that we go to, we're going to kick everybody out. We're going to secure it and mm-hmm. then we're going to sweep it, right? So we're going to post it, mm-hmm. make sure nobody gets in. And then we know who's going to go in after that. And if it's the general public, they're coming in, they're going to go through a magnetometer detector. Um, you mentioned uh, squeaky from squeaky from had tried to several times, tried to um, carry out the assassination attempt. But she saw the metal detectors and decided, right. well, not yeah. today. So there's that. So you got a deterrence, um, and we're going to make sure that everybody's uh, everybody's secure. So when you're in that crowd, you've got to make sure that the crowd mm-hmm. is is secure. Um, one of the, one of the times that I can think that it did not happen uh, was in Georgia, the Tbilisi, Georgia. You know, people talked about, oh, that didn't really happen. Well, Tbilisi, Georgia, we had a um, uh, there was a in <laughs> '96 um Georgian guy uh they had they thought they were going to have like maybe you know a thousand people or something and I think they wound up having like 10,000 people show up in in this square and it just overwhelmed mm-hmm. the magnetometers and they wound up just saying okay at this point nobody else is getting magged and we're just going to put a line of police officers and they just let everybody through because it was wow. just so <laughs> many people and this one guy actually had to interview him because he was in my district and we have to um he was what we called uh we have class one two and three 1096 if you will right and so class three is the guy that actually you know um attempted an assassination um and this guy is in this in Tbilisi Georgia and he's under a lock and key he took a grenade and he threw it (laughs) um into the crowd and if it had gone off it would have uh probably not killed but injured President Bush and it would have killed a lot of people but he tried to he tried to conceal it. He wrapped it up in a uh, bandana. He waited. This is the this is the thing where you talk about, um, you know, the, the, the 1096. But the guy that actually sat there and he waited until President Bush came on stage because he said that's when everybody was going to be looking right. at him and they wouldn't be right. looking at me. And so he took this grenade. It was a Russian grenade. He wrapped it up in a bandana so nobody would see it. And instead of throwing it like a baseball, He kind of shoved it like a shot put and the FBI went out and they got a couple of different, um, grenades that were exactly alike. And they tried to recreate this and sure enough, three out of five times or something like that, it didn't go off because the spoon the Russian grenade, the spoon has to go like above 30 degrees or something like that. I think ours, <laughs> it's like how you find this information anyway, out, right? It was enough. Right, right, right. right. This is, right. Hey, new so guy, this is, don't measure that. They, they actually try to do that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it didn't go off. And I got, a, I got the chance to meet this. Uh, there was an off-duty police officer who was there with his daughter. And he saw this grenade. He's a Georgian police officer. Saw this grenade. Saw what it was. Grabbed it covered it to his chest and then uh went to this underground tunnel that goes in under the yeah. roads are huge there so you just like in a lot of russian you know <clears throat> um, former soviet union cities they have this on a, the sidewalks that go mm-hmm. underneath the streets right um he went down underground and he sat there they found him several hours later white as a ghost because he thought it was going to go off any minute and he was just curled up in a corner pretending oh wow everybody holy shit and, I got a chance to have a couple of beers with this guy, and uh, I said, "Do you mind if I get a picture with you?" And he was like, "You want to take a picture (laughs) with me?" Absolutely. He was like, "You're a Secret Service agent. I want to get a picture with you." That's awesome. Um, But it's it's that kind of stuff where you're you're in the middle of a crowd and things, you know. But here's a guy that just that's bravery, right? And then what do we do? We said this. Right. Exactly. Right. And and you
0: think to yourself, like, here is, like, this is police officers all around the world. This dude's got his daughter. And he's, I mean, you could have just ran at that point because it didn't go off. I mean, you know, it is with a grenade. I mean, even if you throw practice grenades, you're like, Oh, or drop DDs. You're like, Oh, that's a dud. Keep moving. You know what I mean? Don't, don't touch it. He picks it up and puts it to his chest.
1: Can you imagine the panic that would have gone off if, even if it hadn't, if he had said grenade or right. something like that, you right. know, like yeah, right. exactly. Sort of right. stampede no, of people. I, I, he just, stampede, yeah. yeah, like wow,
0: that's that's thinking on that level. And then he went down and under, like you know, uh, underground and held it until somebody found underground. Him, you know yeah. what I mean? And then he's a yeah. bomb himself at yeah. that point. You know, it's like right. wow, that's the now. That's why I talk to you guys in the Secret Service because these are the backstories you get. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I can't tell a story like that. I mean, yeah, I can't, I mean, that's a great story.
1: Well, I I got to go down and interview him. We had to interview him every year. And, uh, I can tell you this, um, you don't want to be <laughs> in prison in Georgia.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. That's Slavic crazy. That's like, what? Yeah. that's a level four. You guys just had invented a new level right there. It's like something out of Batman, like when he got banned, you know what I mean? <laughs> Bane's in there with you. You know what I mean? Um, now if you could do it all over again, Kurt. Uh what would you do differently? I mean, is it, you would change nothing? Is it, is it like, cause uh, people listening to the show, I want them to get out of this. It's like, that is not exactly easy life. Like your wife's gotta be a saint with the amount of change and up and down. Like we all bitch about it. Like our wives have to be real strong to be a cop wife, but it's like, Hey, we work for the same municipality. We go to the same house every day. And if we go anywhere, it's cause there's usually a hurricane or something like that. And you deploy and you have to be on a special team or whatever. That's your job is constantly going. So, What would you change anything about it? Or is it just, this is what is expected? Right. It's
1: like 2020. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I look back and uh, with 24 and a half years and I'm like, what a great career I've had. I mean, I, you can't go back and change all that. I mean, I, I just, um, I just had a fantastic experience. I, like I said, I started in Columbia, which, um, wasn't the best time. Uh, we had a bunch of, uh, well, anyway, it wasn't the yeah. best time. We'll leave it at that. And then I went to the president's detail. I was on the counter assault team. Uh, after that, I went to the um, uh, I was the special operations training section where I got to be an instructor for the counter really? tactics. Nice. Um, and then, yep. And then after that, um, I went over to Germany. I was in Frankfurt, nice. Germany for four years. And took my family over there, which probably killed my career, but it was the Best thing that I've ever done for yeah. my
0: family. That's what um, I used to say, like to fun anybody fun. about that. I was like, if you get and a chance, because I was stationed in Germany for four years, Fulda, just outside of Frankfurt. And I was just like, you can't trade that. You can't Same trade that experience right? on any level. It, t- nope. it actually makes you appreciate America a lot more, but it also re- makes you realize like how beautiful the rest of the world is and can be, and right. everything's just not like, hey, Secret Service agents are these robotic human beings that do nothing but don't talk to people and dive in front of bullets. Like Germany was not what I what it was led to. What I was led to believe. Now there's some history there, obviously, but I thought that was great. And and the other thing, side note, is as somebody that descended from the Irish, I met more Irish in Frankfurt than I did anywhere else in the okay. world. I, I think if you go to Dublin, you'll meet less Irishmen. It was kind of cool.
1: I did get a chance to go to Ireland. And uh, what a, oh man, it was a great time. I went to, uh, I was sitting at the bar and got invited into a wedding that happened <laughs> in the back room. Um, and it turned into a fight? A wedding. Wow. What a. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it was, uh, That's it, was awesome. a it was a good time. It yeah. a good time. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, I and mean, again, you go around the world, meet these people.
1: But we had, well, when I was in um, uh, Germany at the time, the Frankfurt office covered fourteen different countries, um, wow. and I was in um, uh, Georgia, Azerbaijan, and uh, Armenia um, for the first two years, and then I did the cover the Slovak Republic, the Czech Republic, and uh, Poland. So, and then I was a uh, electronic crime special agent um, program. We call it XAP. It's basically the computer forensics. Um, so I was uh, doing that while I was over there, and so I got the travel we fell underneath the Paris office. So I traveled oh. extensively through Europe, got to do a lot of, um, you know, conferences and stuff like that. It was, uh, it was great. I mean, I, all those countries over there. And then, you know, when I got home, uh, my wife and I would load the kids up in our 2005 Honda minivan and drive all over, went up to uh, Denmark, took my mom up there where she's, uh, her mother was from, Oh, really? Wow. went to Italy. Um, yeah. That's we, cool. We did um we did a I, lot. It was great.
0: And and like the, the the just to kind of wrap it up, that you know, the, the final thing is what people don't talk about is like these these impacts on your family. Um is there issues with that for a lot of agents? Is there is there divorce rates higher, is it like a single man's game they tell us, you know? Yeah,
1: it is. I think it's a lot like uh like it is with the cops, right? Um it depends. It depends on um, right on who you're married to. I happen to be married to a very independent and uh strong mm-hmm. uh, woman and uh, she's fantastic and she uh, did a great job raising my kids when mm-hmm. I was traveling mm-hmm. around the world um, and uh, she, her best friend is another agent's wife like you I know I've listened to your podcast when you're talking to them with your wives and uh, they all we all tend to hang out in um, in, in tight circles right absolutely yeah that's great so like the military yeah. Sean like yeah. you were saying the military families uh, they lean on each other the wives lean on each other um, but you know, it's not for, for
0: everybody, right? For everybody. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I, you, dude, you can't be a better representation of what you can do. Just like the humble beginnings. Like, I remember you were saying that. I remember our senior year, we were like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to go in the Army because that's what I thought you went to the school for. And if I went back and looked at all of it, I probably would have not got all caught up in the Top Gun, you know, crazy. I want to be an aviator. Bleh. That's cool. Don't get me wrong. Um, but. Um, I just would have went, Hey, I want to be a cop. I might as well just go be an MP and get another aspect to this. It would have really been translatable to my life. Again, I wouldn't trade anything for that. But I remember our senior year, we were both kind of in that same boat. Like, what are we really going to do? And the, the amazing things you can get out of a career in law enforcement, people will like, look at you and go, is that all you want to do? I mean, listen to this podcast and what Kurt was just talking right. about and go... Yeah, is that all you want to do? Yeah, I mean, like, I'd have to be a Rhodes that Scholar to do to? that. Why wouldn't you want to? Do Why that? wouldn't you want to do that? And again, yeah, you, you got to set yourself up to succeed for that. So, if you're considering your career in in in, in uh, federal service, federal law enforcement service, this is a great episode to kind of reference to. Now, Kurt, I'm not trying to put you out there like, hey, I want you to be available to everybody in the world to talk to them about a career in federal law enforcement. Do you? I mean, do you advise people on that stuff? Are you? Uh, I mean.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I have reached out to the Citadel and, and I've talked to a couple of people down there, you know, obviously uh, we always uh, right. try to give back. Right. And, um, um, so I've made myself available for them, but you know, you can catch me on LinkedIn and, uh, I don't know which email I have up there, but, uh, yeah, reach out for me on LinkedIn and, um. You know, if you want to chat, I mean, I'd be more than happy to, I still keep in touch with people over at the Secret Service. I'm still running for like good
0: internships and things like Um, that. People really get a taste of what's going on with that. Uh, He spells with a K by the way, Kurt Lewis, K-U-R-T, Lewis is the obvious spelling L-E-W-I-S. And Kurt, I didn't know this and I never mentioned this to you, um, but we're actually probably brothers just beyond the Citadel because we did a little research on my family and my great grandfather on my mother's side was actually straight up German and their last name was Lewis. And he came here and spoke not a lick of English. And my grandmother used to say words like turlet and earl. And I'm like, wait, wait, that's not a New York accent. And then that's where we, we realized it came from. He died when she was eight. He fell off of a ship. He was working in, you know, uh, the harbor there and a boat came by and knocked him off. But that's, I was like, man, when I see Kurt, Oh, I got to wait 20 years. Cause he's in the secret service to finally tell him right. right, right. we're, we're brothers. Yeah. We're brothers in some sense, Lewis. We probably the same DNA. Uh, there really awesome. But uh, Kurt, I can't there thank, you, thank you. you enough for being on the show, man. This is great so stuff. Much,
2: Appreciate it. Chris, you got the outro. here. Nothing. Thanks thank guys. You so much. And, uh, for everybody who who's listening, uh, really, uh, these are the unsung heroes. You don't you see them in a suit and tie and cool glasses and stuff like that, but right. they're doing a job. I mean, we go out and we do our job and stuff like that, but you know, their specific sole purpose is you know they know that day everybody could take a bullet, but their 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 specific purpose is and it has shown quite a bit. So thank you so much for your service. I we appreciate you it. Bet. And everybody, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, please go where you get your podcast download uh your our podcast leave a rating a review subscribe to it that'd be great to help us get uh to get our word out and uh, any questions or concerns go to three cops talk um, the website or send us an email at three copstalk at gmail.com that's the number three copstalk at gmail.com thank you everybody for listening and stay safe thanks guys